You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we now have a good friend of mine. We didn't know each other before, but we do now, Mr. Corbett Redford. He is the documentarian behind Turn It Around, the story of East Bay Punk, my favorite punk rock documentary. I've watched this thing so many times. I just watched it last night again, actually. Um, so this movie's two and a half hours long, maybe two and a half, two, two hours and 45 minutes. It's insane. It's so good. Uh, I could just put it on and have it on as background. Um, it's all about the East Bay punk scene, Gilman street, uh, San Francisco, like Mabuhe gardens all the way through is narrated by Iggy pop and Corbett was approached by green day to pick up a, or to find a video of them playing a house party or like a backyard party. And Corbett went to high school with the Green Day guys, so they knew of him already. He said, yeah, I think I can find it. He found it, sent him a whole bunch of stuff on a hard drive. And, man, it's crazy because they said, hey, we're going to start you know, making a documentary about our story. Who do you think we should have do it? And he literally said, I'll do it. And they said, okay, we'll call you tomorrow. And Corbett had never made a movie before. So that's what's incredible about this. Uh, whole story is he just stepped up and said I'll do it and then thrown to the fire I don't know how many hundreds of hours of interviews a hundred and I think 128 interviews total all over the country puts it together into a five-hour edit and they cut it down to what 247 
And so there's a lot of stories that aren't on there, and I really, really want them to bring those to light. I know they put out some bonus features on the Blu-ray and some on Instagram. But anyways, it, it's an incredible documentary. Uh, Corbett's a great, a great dude. He also is from a band called uh, Bobby Joe Ebola and the Chicken Mac Nuggets, uh, like a, a parody band, uh, satire, two-person, before Tenacious D, before all that. And they've been touring all over the place. They've been around for a long time. And so Corbett comes from the music world as well. And he also struggled to be able to play at Gilman, uh, just like Green Day did. But we all know who that, how that turned out. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm just stoked to have you guys back week after week. I know I say it all the time, uh, but I really am. And I'm really trying to bring more people in to the process of how we do things. And it's just been, it's been such a cool growth uh, of this show. Just every week it gets bigger, more people come on board, uh, guests get easier to, to book, um, you can kind of take your pick and it's really, really cool because we work so hard to earn that and uh, I'm glad to have you guys with us. So thank you again for coming back week after week. Uh, let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right into the episode. Uh, PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website, PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me, guest suggestions, you know, comments, whatever. Uh, definitely go to Facebook and join the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. I announce guests early. Uh, I post, you know, if there's a picture from the video, I'll put that up. Um, we talk about all kinds of stuff. It is a private, private um, group, but we'll let you in. It's just to protect everyone else, you know, their privacy and their private thoughts that they put in there. We talk a lot about mental health. We talk about some funny stuff, but it's just a cool community. And I was against it for a long time, but I'm really growing to enjoy it. So uh, Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle on Facebook. Search it. Join it. And after you do that, go rate and review the show. Send a five-star rating. Uh, write a review. I mean, it's your chance to speak up and tell people what you think of the show. If you love the show, let them know that. Because when they go to find the show and they see your review, they're going to take that way more than they're going to take from anything else. You know what I mean? The, the word of mouth is huge. So tell a friend about the show, rate and review, and uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Mr. Corbett Redford. Here we go again, infatuation touches me just when I thought that it would end. Oh, but then again, it seems much more than that, but I'm not sure exactly what you're thinking. Well, I thought that did not like thinking of your ways of affection, but you find that it's not different at all. Well, I thought. Take 
Hey, my friend, how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you too, man. You're a little bit right. early. That's fantastic. It's no, no worries at all. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. Good, good, good. Okay. I've got my uh, six-year-old uh, just went to bed. Oh, so okay. I can tell you, you're, you're, I've seen some photos. You're a pop too. Oh, yeah. Dad. Yeah, I am. I am. I have several, several children. <laughs> uh, I, I've got, we're, we're one and done, but uh, it's certainly, uh, I'm 45, so it uh, teaches me, you know, for, uh, to, 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 <laughs> I have to match his energy and <laughs> I was a late starter. So. Oh man, dude, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I can hardly keep up. They hate it. They're yeah. just like, come on, dad. I just don't yes. want to move. <laughs> yes. Dude. Well, well, good. How, so, so you're doing well. Yeah. It's been obviously an odd year for everyone. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work from home, mm-hmm. um, stirring on a few projects here and there. And, uh, yeah, hanging in there. How about yourself? Okay, dude, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. Just waiting on this vaccine. Like we, we're not. Yeah. My son has special needs, so we're technically eligible as caregivers, but mm, it hasn't worked out that way. Like every time we fill out the survey or something to get an appointment, uh, they say you don't qualify yet. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I got. It was so weird. I wasn't expecting to get it until I guess what Biden announced today, May first, mm-hmm. right? That it'll be available to everyone. But yesterday I was just sitting in my house and I got a, an email from my care provider and I don't work with the public. I, uh, don't, I don't ha- I don't think I have any preexisting conditions. I mean, I'm pretty overweight, you know, for the most part. <laughs> uh, so, and they said, Hey, you're next go, go ahead. And so I was sitting, I was just questioning it. Like what, like, why am I being given access to, to this? I know some people who have went around and I guess they call them vaccine chasers. Mm-hmm. And I do not appreciate that. You yeah. know? So here I was like given this chance and my dad calls me and he's, you know, in his early seventies mm-hmm. and he hasn't been, been able to get it in Nevada County. And he got a text from my turn, the California website. And it said, Hey, it's your turn. So he asked me to help him navigate. And all I could think to myself was maybe there was this big dump of vaccine in California or something. Mm-hmm. And that's why suddenly all of these people are getting these notes. I really, I, you're in the, the Pacific Northwest. Or? Yeah. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I hope that you and your family are able to get it as soon as possible. Thank you. I, yeah, me, me too. We, uh, my wife saw something, a friend of hers through a, a native tribe up here. Uh, they yeah. were offering them and I guess they got a certain amount and like they need to use them before they expire. So I think right. they open them up for a second, like come and get it now before we have to toss it. And uh, so that might be an option too. But I told her the same thing. I was like, I mean, is that legit? Like, are we taking it from someone else like that needs it bad? And she's like, I don't think so. And I was like, well, let's look into that because I don't want to step yeah. in, you know? Yeah. I'm 30. I'm I, I very overweight as well, but I'm 38 years old. Yeah. And, you know, she's 39 and in shape. And, yeah. you know, the kids are fine. The kids are, I mean, my son has a heart condition and, and like a, a kind of a rare autism deal. So like yeah. he's not in dire straits either, but with his heart condition, it puts him at high risk. So right. we're pretty lucky. We've been really, I was telling my wife the other day, we've been really lucky with this. Like I've been laid off from work for 
three and a half months now, but I've been on unemployment and with the extra yeah. on there, it brings it up to full wage. Like it's like nothing ever happened. It's really weird. It's there are certain, I feel the same way. I, I was, I've been working for working at home for a year. Mm -hmm. um, I work at the Berkeley lab uh, for the, the nonprofit division there. And we, the, it, it's a year today that I've been working from home. And now they're all saying that we might work from home forever. They've said, why would we commute again? You know, and all these, so I, if it works out that way, I think it's fantastic. I was going to say that what you had mentioned about the, the tribes mm -hmm. giving it away yesterday on Facebook, I saw it circle around the uh, West Oakland punks. A lot of punks were saying, go down to this church. They have 250 right now. They're giving them to anyone. So it's kind of like these lower income areas. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that by the end of, them giving them away they they're like if they will kind of have to be refrigerated or, or whatever it is um those kinds of opportunities are popping up mm -hmm. um and if you have the opportunity i would say you know yeah <laughs> yeah i was yeah it, it's <laughs> where we all want some sort of semblance especially those of us in in art and music you know yeah like we're, we're so used to having community and <laughs> being engaged and in person and everything, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, we miss it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, and, and I'll inter introduce you and stuff on the, on the intro. When I do the intro for the show, we just start when I, when I press click, like we just go. Um, sure. so there's not like a big, there will be, but, uh, I record yeah. that differently. So I'll introduce you, but you, you said you work for a nonprofit right now. Yeah. So, uh, I got, so for five years, I made a documentary mm -hmm. uh, called Turn It Around, the story of East Bay Punk. And before that, I was a touring musician pretty much from like 1995 all the way on and off to uh, till, to about 2013. But from 2009 to 2013, I was on the road all the time making music videos, recording 100 songs for like three albums and four EPs and just busy, busy, busy. I got a call from my buddies in, in the band Green Day. Uh, they, they tapped me to make this documentary. Five years of doing that, nothing but that, you know, for you know, anywhere from, you know, 60 to 100 hours a week sometimes. Suddenly, uh, everything stops, you know, the, the project is over. And coming out of that, I'm a new dad, you know, and I'm like, whoa. So I wound up uh through the you know good graces of, of local friends and punks and uh, be, uh there was a while where i was just skimming around there was new projects that were potentially happening and people that wanted to talk to me about doing new things but it was like i can't wait i'm a dad now yeah. you know yeah so um through the punk community i got this job which is it was just pretty wild here i am suddenly in meetings with scientists and nobel laureates and um, yeah, like, yeah, as an administrator in, uh, for a nonprofit at the Berkeley laboratory, in Berkeley. Wow. So, that's wild, yeah. man. Yeah. That's yeah, wild. Yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to dig into your story here too, because you, I mean, the reason I reached out, I mean, you made my favorite documentary of all time. Like it's, I love that documentary. I have some friends, uh, Courtney and Kyle up here in, in Portland that I work with. I'm a commercial plumber by trade. So, yeah. uh, and that's, I quit touring back in 2007. Um, yeah. but all same thing needed a job. I went down, got a job at target for mm -hmm. like five years. And I was like, okay, I need something that pays money. And I worked there. I was the trades. Month when I worked there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
but they are like, Hey, there's this punk, this like punk documentary out on like the East Bay. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, we're going to do a, like a watching party like tonight. Like I ordered it. It's really long. And it's, <laughs> they didn't tell me that. And I was, and I'm sitting there and they're like, they're like music fans, but, uh, uh, Courtney more than Kyle, they're married. I married them. And, and like watching that with them, like I was so into it, but I knew so much about it. Yeah. And they just keep looking at me I'm like, oh, that's so they he played in that band too, like blah, blah, blah. And they're just yeah. like kind of looking at me like, Jesus, you know all this. Like, and I was like, it kept going. We watched it in two sittings because like it got really late. And I was yes. like, there's more of this. And so I actually <laughs> took it home and watched the rest. And I wish oh, it was wow. longer, man. Like, yeah. Because well, it was five hours originally. See, that's what that's what I'm curious yeah. on. All that extra footage, all those stories. Yeah. Are, are they just getting posted online and, and like here and there, or is there a plan to do something with those? Because I would watch five hours of that. Well, so th there are, there's about 30 minutes of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, then there are some of those deleted scenes as well as about six or seven, uh, anywhere from like five to 15 minute clips that uh, our cinematographer and editor, Greg Schneider, has been posting on our Instagram mm -hmm. that you can watch. Uh, but really, when I say we had a five-hour cut, this is what I, I haven't really talked to anybody about this. What I'm saying is that we had a five-hour story edit. So what you're, what that, what, you know, what that is is a lot of times it's like there's no B-roll. It's just us. Oh God! I mean, it was such an excavation. I can't even. Not only the five, the five, uh, the fifty thousand photos and flyers that we had, but over you know five hundred five hundred hours of interview footage, and just hundreds and hundreds of pieces of live footage, uh, it, to sort through the the interview footage alone of five hundred hours of a of about I think it's one hundred and fifty people we interviewed. Uh, we had to go through it and time code it and keyword it according to subject and person because it's kind of like okay well here we need to know about uh you know billy joe uh smoking pot in the bathroom at gilman uh and getting 86 so we would put in billy joe gilman 86 and then all of the uh, our, our story editors who would pour through this these hours of interview footage that i would bring to them they would then suddenly we would see everything by every person that was there, you know, and if suddenly in the film, if we had what we thought would be like a dude party for like weight or like, you know, a, a, a heteronormative party where there was just too many of the same kind of voice going for too long, we would look at it and go, okay, well, who in this batch says it well, and who might, who might break up the monotony there? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. we, we would, everybody who was talking about, Billy Joe getting 86 while smoking pot at Gilman, you know? <laughs> uh, so that was the way we did that. So our story edit was based on us grabbing time codes and grabbing footage. And we had a five hour cut. And I think there was a point where I went up to Billy and I said, I mean, what, what do we, what do you cut? You know, all of these are sacred stories. All of these are so important to the people who lived them and, you know, the people who experienced them and, uh, it's so strange because you know there are like rock stars in this movie so many of them mm -hmm. and then there are people who swept the floor and worked the door you know yeah and 
they're all equally important to the success of our movie, just like they were, they are all always equally important to the success of a show or a mm -hmm. project. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. He, he, we, we thought about it and we were so, uh, we had been trying to make a movie for that long and we considered, we were like, well, we'll, we'll put it out as time goes on. And we have, we put out, I think we put out another hour of it considering the movie is almost three hours longer. That means maybe there's like another hour that hasn't been released. It probably will be at some point. Um, yeah, it, 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 we, we went down to make a movie and that was, that was the really hard part. That was, okay, well, we have five hours. How are we going to do this? And, you know, if we wanted to make a snappy, punchy movie that was going to be extremely popular and, you know, uh, we would have just made it about, you know, the arrival of Gilman, the emergence of Op Ivy, uh, the downfall of Op Ivy, and then the big 90s punk boom with Rancid and Green Day. Yeah. And that would have been, and it would have been over, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it was like, you know, you know, Billy's like, that's not my lived experience. And I'm like, you know, as somebody who was going, I started going to Gilman right kind of toward the end of where our movie ends. So, uh, you know, that's like 94, 95, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was when I started going, you know, mm -hmm. I was a, uh, I was one of the, uh, <laughs> I guess I was a poser, you know, I, I heard Green Day on the radio, you know, I actually, that's not true. I, saw Green Day in 1991 at the Berkeley Square because they went to my high school. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen a band in that kind of setting before. And I was like, what is this crazy kinetic thing where people are bounding into each other and sweating and they don't care that they're bumping into each other. And it was like, it changed my life, right? I yeah. was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And I ran up to the stage and I knew Mike the best at that point, the bass player. And I said, dude, your band is so good. You're gonna be so famous. <laughs> I guess I was right. Yeah. 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 Rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. I did. Quick side note on that. My favorite, I believe if I'm remembering it correctly, seeing them thank Tim Armstrong and I yeah. think Tim was wearing just like a t-shirt and like yes. just his normal style at the rock and roll hall of fame. Just like, all right. <laughs> I, you know, that, that I, I got invited to that while I was making the movie. And it's probably, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life. But as a dad, we had just went, it was either that we had just flown to Illinois or something to interview Ben Weasel, or we had just flown to Florida to record the narration for Iggy Pop. But I told the band, I was like, they wanted me there. They were like, we want you there. And I had helped the the Rock Hall with all the photos and flyers for the backdrop where they were oh, playing sweet. And, and everything. And and the, the Rock Hall actually later played our film as part of this big series with like Jimmy Shelter and, you know, the, yeah. the all these famous rock films. And I was like, well, you know, I said, if you think people will stick around that long, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always give it a hard time for being so long, you know, but we made it for people like you, people who uh, the people who live the experience and the people who who care about it. I mean. Once I once Green Day opened my eyes to this this world of a million other bands and a, and a, and a way of life, uh, I never turned back, and I got obsessed, and I mm -hmm. and I wanted to know everything, you know. And so, um, you know, it. Uh, I, but I didn't go because I had just we just had our kid, and uh, I had already went to Florida or something, and I thought I can't I can't leave again. Yeah, I can't leave for another three days so close to that. And uh, kicking myself in the pants, you know, but sure. Um, but you were a hey, part of it still, 
Like you, I was, yes. I thought yeah, that was yeah. great watching that backdrop from that. Like, and it kept cutting to it. Like, I thought that was awesome. Like that was a huge part of it because it didn't say a whole lot. Like that was like yeah. the, the spectacle was what was going on the giant screens, you know, like, and, and just to put it in perspective, like I, here's where I'm embarrassed because I've never been to Gilman. I was a touring musician for 12 years yeah. all over the Bay area, never even driven past it. I grew up in Alaska. All of our experience with Gilman and that whole scene was through the Lookout Records mail order catalog. And yeah. each of us ordering a different record and just wanting to go there so bad and loving that music and loving those bands and trying to learn how to play those songs. So we were learning from a distance and experiencing yeah. the Gilman scene from a distance. Like the Operation Ivy record was sitting on my buddy Nick's stereo. And I was like, what's this? He's like, oh, I just got it from Lookout. It's pretty good. Put it in. I was like, what? Like, blew yeah. my mind. And I was telling Brent, Dave Mello this the other day when he was on. And yeah. he says hello, by the way. Um, uh, I love that guy. He's fantastic. And But we were totally from a distance. So now, like, that documentary was one of the most important things of me being able to watch that and hear these stories and see these these photos and videos of what it really was like because we didn't have enough, like, internet wasn't big enough yet for us to really watch stuff from there it was buying vhs bootlegs or yeah. going through that catalog and be like this band looks cool i like that band and they're like this band okay and it was just so important that's why i was like i wish it was longer because like i could watch it you know a hundred hours of that thing of that stuff because it's so interesting you yeah, know it, it, i mean it, it uh it, it, I kept thinking that it was esoteric. And then I saw Billy at the end of his rock hall speech mentioned bands like sewer trout and nasal sex. And in front, you know, you're looking at like what Sir Paul sitting there hearing that there's a band, those words going into Sir Paul's, you know, McCartney's ears, nasal sex, you know? Yeah. Um, it was just like, it shows, you know, there was a, there was some appreh apprehension from some people like, Oh, so green day is producing this and, you know, are they going to commandeer everything or something? I, it, it, I think there were three rules that we, three ground rules that we set at the beginning with them as executive producers. I always try to, I, I always forget one, but uh, it's don't mystify the past. Don't make this movie uh, something that people watch and think, oh, well, I missed the train, uh, you know, to, you know, for doing something special or creating something special with my friends. Make it seem approachable make it seem possible, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all voices heard, basically don't, don't stifle people. Don't, don't steer them. Don't encourage them. So, um, all voices heard, uh, uh, don't mystify the past. And there was one of the ground rule. Come on, Corbett. I'll remember it during the course <laughs> of this interview. Uh, I'll remember it. Okay. My apologies. Well, how, yeah. how did you approach those, those interviews? So like, of course we see, we don't, we don't hear anyone asking questions really. It's a documentary. Like what they're yeah. saying is, is the cut. But if you went to the raw audio of those, like how did you conduct those interviews? Did you conduct them the same way? Like same, or did you just kind of start it off and let them just start talking? Well, sometimes it happened that way. Sometimes people were so people, some people had been, it's felt like they'd been waiting their whole lives to do this. Mm -hmm. Some people were apprehensive and, you know, they're not rich and famous. All they have are their sacred stories. So they were a bit wary. And I, and I, 
people started calling me the punk whisperer because I had to really honor that and I had to be compassionate and I had to, you know, understand that, that these people were giving me something that again was sacred to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think a lot of times I had, I, I, I would do it. I would do research about that person and their role. Thankfully I had people like Dave Mello, Kamala Parks, who was one of the founders of Gilman booked all the early lookout records tours for op Ivy, uh, you know, green day, uh, neurosis, um, Kamala eggplant, uh, Dave Mello, eggplant from Blatz, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Billy, you know, he, you know, was, he was in all sorts of bands back then. They were there, they were working with me. So I would, I would come up with what I knew and what I wanted to know from that person. Also, as we would interview more people, I would, I would say, I have to ask that person about this, you know, mm-hmm. and then I would run up by each of them. I'd say, well, you were there, you know, uh, what should I ask this person? You know? Yeah. So, uh, it kind of went like that. And so some of our interviews would go two, three up to Ben Weasel, which was five hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. I'm sure. Yeah, yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and he was in the movie for like five minutes. <laughs> I swear to God, by the end of the interview, <laughs> by the end of the interview, I don't know. I just, I felt like he was, it's not that he was mad at me or, I don't know that I'm saying he was, he's mad in general, but I felt like steam was coming out of his ears. I just remember having this, we were, we had, we, I think it was like Easter or something. And we had flown on spirit airlines. I'd never Uh flown on spirit airlines before, you know? Yeah. And uh, we thought we were going to (laughs) die. You know, (laughs) all those jokes (laughs) on the daily show are real, you know? Yeah. Um, And uh, we landed in wherever he lives. It was like, that was the only airline that went there. And it was, uh, we got off the plane and we pretty much went right to his place and sat there for five hours. And we were just, I think I was hallucinating, uh, by the end of the interview with him. Uh, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Ben, ben Weasel. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to think all voices heard, uh, no, uh, don't miss it by the past. God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. But, I, but, but, but really, they didn't set, they didn't say, God, I mean, I, I can't even recall. They were, they were, they were not, they were not, they let us go for five years. Yeah. If you think, I mean, that is insane. You know, yeah. Uh, they wanted. They were saying, "Get everything, mm-hmm. get everything, every photo, everything you can get, get it all." And I did, and you know, which led to I think there's exactly a hundred songs that I wound up basically becoming a paralegal and, and doing all the music and sync and the publishing stuff for the film um, with the help of this wonderful woman named Anita First, who was the real lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like, you did all the heavy lifting and, and uh, you know, getting, getting a band who never had even signed a contract to sign a contract for publishing for a film can be pretty hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, like it, the whole thing was, you know, but then there was, you know, um, I mean, we've got Primus songs in there and there's a, a Ramones clip in there, you know, mm-hmm. and we did it. Um, what's the word? Um, uh, all f- most favored nations mm-hmm. where, 
no matter if you're the, the richest or the poorest, everybody got paid the same amount for use of their song. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so there's all kinds of weird deals like that. I think when, uh, yeah. when Rollins did the uh, West Memphis three benefit where he did the, the black flag songs with his new band, I yeah. think Greg Ginn gave him like a, there's like a, a clause in there where it's like a lowered publishing amount. Um, yeah. There's all sorts of crazy deals like that out there. But when you were, so when you were doing these interviews, it wasn't just you flying out and doing this. You were with, you had like either Dave or Kamala with you. Like I'm having Kamala on, on the show on Saturday. So I'm stoked what? to talk to her too. Yeah. I, I, Dave hooked me up with her and uh, I hit her up and she's like, man, I'd love to do that. I was like, real Okay. Perfect. She is. She's awesome. hard to find, but uh, I, I, yeah, she's not online. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, she, she's, um, she's she's uh not on facebook not on instagram mm -hmm. not on any of that but i'll tell you what she's one of the she's one of my favorite people in the entire world uh not just because i mean she uh, my, me and my friends we um funny enough initially we were it was during the big green day boom mm -hmm. so gilman kind of at that time had kind of battened down the hatches and and kind of kind of uh, maximum rock and roll and Gilman had limited the, 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 the parameters on what was punk mostly to be protective because suddenly every job that, you know, used to kick my ass or something in high school was showing up to Gilman. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go there too. I had a band. I wanted to go there and we were told politely, but that basically you're not punk and, and um, you can't advertise in the magazine and, 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 you know, we're, we're not going to book you at the club. So it was disheartening. But what we wound up doing was going out and getting a generator and starting our own shows uh, on a toxic, uh, uh, super fun site down, down in Richmond by on the, and, uh, making a hotline and people would call the hotline and they'd play, uh, they would, we, they, they'd call a hotline to be able to play. Yeah. And if you showed up and you were a knucklehead and you, you know, saying sexist or racist lyrics, we never book you again, you know, mm -hmm. whereas Gilman had a filter at the beginning of that, you know, yeah. but Kamala had that same kind of, our old saying was thought plus action equals progress. And she was, she is, and she always has been the kind of person's like, well, if we, if we think it up, we can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, let's do the work. Are you willing to do the work? Let's do the work. And I think that's something that's inherently East Bay punk. Uh, in my opinion, uh, it's that, that it's not a lot of people waiting around for people to do things for them. Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of musicians and artists and, you know, they're kind of like uh, they want to be that poodle on a pillow where they're kind of paraded around as this lovely thing. And um, but they're not willing to do the work. They're not willing to book their own shows and they're not willing to book their own tours or, you know, set up their own recording, uh, you know, schedules or, you know, it, it, it um, and that's that's where Kamala really, really shined. She she did she did everything and played in a band, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, in many bands, you know. Yeah. So that's awesome. She's she's gonna be great to talk to. I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked. I've been on this like Bay Area kick lately, just because I've been so fired up <laughs> seeing that like way back. But then like getting into it again and like just kind of going back through through that time. I just been, I mean, it's been a brilliant thing. Like, I love it. And so like what I'm, what I'm getting at with the, with the interview stuff is like, 
if all those interviews still exist, like those interview files and and things like that. Yes. What about putting that out as a pod, like an audio podcast where each episode is one of those interviews where, you know what I mean? Where it's still, it's almost like archiving it a little bit to where putting it out there for people to hear. But, uh, you know, listening to a lot of those people aren't even on a podcast. They have never guessed on a podcast. David never been on a podcast before. Yeah. Until he came on mine. And, and I was stoked for that. But also like, man, like the amount of stories he has to go through, like he should be on 20 podcasts. And uh, have you thought about doing something like that with that with that uh, audio? Or is that something you could even do because of, uh, of licensing uh, issues? Well, yeah. So that's I don't know. You know, it, 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 it um, you know, I'm still in contact with the Green Day guys and, and some of their crew. Um, but it, it was such an undertaking. I think mm-hmm. it was such a vast dig. You know, anytime anybody has passed away since that, mm-hmm. um, I get tapped and I go into the photo archive. I have to connect the drive. It's this huge drive. I have to connect it to the thing and I have to, you know, spend my, my night after I get the kid to bed and not everything and I'm bleary eyed and dig up, you know, because, I, because people are mourning, you know, mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. so like, I think I'll be that guy forever where like I go in and I get the photos and I share the photos, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but to answer your question, I, do, I don't know. I mean, I know that Greg was um, the, who's, who's, he was really the guy who housed all of it. And he, mm-hmm. he's got it on the green day end. He was talking about releasing more of it. And I know Billy, when, you know, over the past year or so, not this past year, I think it's more last year and some this year, but, you know, it was like, put out more, put out more and anything we've got, you know, uh, I think as far as going back in and digging through it and piecing it back together, um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it'd be a lot of work, you know? So, sure. yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I, I do know this. I do, I do know that there were a few months back, um, Greg was talking about putting out more stuff. So, and again, you know, like I think there's like seven deleted scenes on the Blu-ray and there's like seven that are on the Instagram right now mm-hmm. on Instagram TV. So if folks want more, they can get more there. And I hear there's going to be more coming out. So Man, I would do, I know, and I'm going to do what you did here with Billy. But uh, if you need yeah. help with something like that, I'd be honored to help you. Oh, um, wow. And I mean, help is really where, where oh, here it is. I felt I was the reason I've been looking down my phone for a moment here. If you noticed, uh, looking for that third rule, <laughs> an old, old interview uh, uh, from a, from uh, a Berkeley side uh, interview with me with my old forensics teacher Lex, Lexi Green, love her to death. As for how the filmmaking collaboration went, Redford said Armstrong had three rules at the outset: use diverse. Uh, don't focus on nostalgia. That's the whole thing about. Mm-hmm. not building it up to uh, to be something that people feel is mystified. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't uh, use diverse voices. So like, you know, don't just, we just don't want this, this white het dude party the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Which punk can be sometimes, Absolutely right? You know, you can. Mm-hmm. Often. Um, and, uh, and don't focus on the acrimony or the backbiting focus on people's contributions. Very cool. So, so, and, and so, cause you can get, and, you know, and I think some of the critique of our film is like, well, why don't you talk about 
when you know frank discussion brought the dead dog into gilman or when rancid stole the or, or not rancid I, I don't know who who got, i think tim was there tim was cleaning the tim was cleaning the club when mm -hmm. uh the police came uh, because somebody had uh put a an uh 200, 300 year old uh, mummified baby sarcophagus in the uh, in the the loft at Gilman. Uh, drunk kids yeah. messing around. Uh, um, but I think I want to say that Rancid has a demo about the call named after the mummy baby. I think. But so you know people, but you know, and then what, the whole thing about Jello getting attacked, which was yeah. like far after our film ends mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um you know and then we the, the, some of the critique was like why don't you talk more about the drama it's like yeah i don't know i mean somebody can make a make a documentary that full of that yeah you know and that's all you'd ever talk about sure really what we wanted to do was to show what oh, the good things that can happen when people work together mm -hmm. so well, man, like I like I say, I would be I would be honored to help in any way possible. Like I, this is what I do. Like I podcast. Like I know what I'm doing with it, how to make it happen, put it out, yeah. whatever. But also think about like, and this is just coming to my head as we're talking. But think about putting these up, like putting the raw interview files up, right? Like you you could call it uh, sacred stories or or whatever, you know, like yeah. something catchy. But put it behind something. Like put it behind like a a sliding scale, one to $5 donation, right? And then sure. that money could go to help keep Gilman open, could go to split up between those people because a lot of those people sure. are not in Green Day. A lot sure, of those sure. people are bartenders probably still, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's that's where they're at. You know what I mean? Sure. You could give that back in a different way, but also give people like me and, and all the fans of that time, yourself included, yeah access to just you know i'd put those on at night as i'm falling asleep you know like <laughs> i love that sure. stuff and it's it you know like comet bus like aaron's stuff is all archived in that like like uh is it in is it ucla or uc berkeley yeah or, oh no it's it's uh in new york new york it's, uh, but it's all in there like the yeah. whole thing like getting that stuff that you put together get into something like that some kind of yeah you know, archive and, and, ah, it's just so much good stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say this, um, uh, yeah, Aaron was, by the way, Aaron was very helpful with our film. He's in it, but he's not in it. I don't know if you've noticed that. I did notice that. And I've, he's I've got Larry Livermore gave me, uh, his info to get in touch with him with a letter to see yeah. about him coming on this show, but I don't think he would do it. But, uh, I kind of got that from it. Like he probably didn't want to be interviewed. He, he doesn't use technology as you know, like he's, well, it's on and off. I mean, yeah. Every, every once in a blue moon, I'll get an email and then, then he'll tell me I'm not using email anymore, you know, or write me or call me. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but, and I actually got the tour. My band got the tour with him in 99 uh, around the States. And that's how I met him. Okay. But, 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 um, what uh yes i mean I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the the raw interviews you know mm -hmm. you know some of them just could not it could not happen like Got because it. just the raw uh they would have to be there would have to be some editing mm -hmm. because there there you know we're you're talking about 500 hours of footage there were some there were some malicious outbursts you know mm -hmm. about uh and 
you know, is it like, uh, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I'm like, yeah, I, I, now, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, uh, like I said, I am in conversation with Greg from okay. time to time. And I think there is, uh, it's good to know that the folk, there's folks like yourself would be willing to help. Um, and there has always been talk about, you know, making it basically more widely available. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, it currently the, my favorite place to tell people to go watch the film is on the canopy app, K A N O P Y, which is, um, the library, the national library circuit. If you have a library card, mm -hmm. you can go to canopy.com and put in your library card and you can watch it for free there. Like it's like Netflix for the library. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a awesome. good place to watch the film. So. Dude, I I got I after I watched it the first time, I bought the Blu-ray, I bought the soundtrack on vinyl, and then also bought it on iTunes just to try to support because oh. like I love I mean, it's just it's very important to me and I, I have no problem doing that. And it's felt like a small thing. I'm just I'm gonna buy it on everything. And then Thank you so much. I got, well, I got two copies of the soundtrack because eventually I'm gonna give it to somebody, the other one. And yeah. but I have them in my in my record collection at home. But uh yeah, and that <laughs> I was just thinking of that that uh, with Mike from the the Angry Samoans, how he just kind of like out of frame pops in. Like, can you tell me just really quickly before we jump off this topic, what interviewing him was like? Because it's literally just like a microphone, and then yeah, and, and it comes out over here, like or no, not a microphone, yeah. but like a blank canvas, and he just pops out. Yeah, talking. I mean, I, I've known him for some time, and I knew that I was. It's like herding cats, you know? Yeah. And you call his number down in like, I think he lives in like Hayward, I think. And I got on his email thread for a long time where he sends these. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. 
Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's on the spectrum, like genius yeah. style. Because yeah. he'll send out these dissertations, which are like just you know, you know where he got his name, Metal Mike. Didn't he coin the term 
they metal? say, yeah, he was a writer for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And they said that he was, he coined the term, term heavy metal. Right. Yeah. So he, anyways, uh, I, I was like, Mike, it's Corbett. Hey, it's, I had seen him at a show and I was like, Hey, I want to interview you this thing. And I call him, Hey, Mike, 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 Hey, Mike, Hey, Mike. And uh, nothing, 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 nothing. And I was out to dinner one night with my wife and, and our friends. And it was a friend who was like, really, uh, really like put away your phone, you know, don't, you know, and, and Mike called me and the worst time at the worst <laughs> time, he called me back. And I'm like, I got to take this. I went out into the storm, into a storm outside. And I was like, I just kept, he kept, and I go, Tuesday, 3 p.m. Oh, Fruitvale, Tuesday, three. I kept pushing it through, like, like, and he, I got him to say it back to me. And, and, and so he comes in with gifts, they call them. All the Green Day crew was like, oh, Mike brought gifts. He, anytime that he knows a Green Day side project is playing or he will go to a thrift store and he will, this is all to answer your question about why he was yeah. popping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he will go to a thrift store and he will get hundreds of t-shirts and he will silkscreen bootleg Green Day shirts and sell them and then do the math. Like if you're at the merch table next to him, he'll tell you every women's basketball statistic since 1979, like just over the course of the night. But at the end of the night, he will give, he'll hand like Mike or Billy, you know, who are like just playing these side shows for fun, you know, hand them a invoice basically saying, here's what I made. Here's what it cost me. Here, here's, here's your money. And, and they're like, no, it's Mike. It's okay. You know? And so what he was doing was he was showing up to the Green Day studio with this like two huge, like 200 shirts that were, that were silkscreen and, and, and the bootlegs that he had made. And he was between questions. He was going on the ground and folding the shirts and popping back up. Usually people <laughs> stay in frame and he was folding and counting the shirts, <laughs> and, but it was just too effing perfect. Yeah. Because, because how often do you get a pure, clear frame with nobody in it and then suddenly he pops back up yeah. i don't know if you stick around to the end of the film oh yeah he, he does it again yeah i think yeah Dude. and and yeah and he talks about acdc <laughs> or something or but i really i don't know man i mean oh yeah one of my favorite interviews yeah a wild wild person man i figured that was a good story behind that one just because I think there's a reason they left that in there where he's talking, then pops into frame. Like there's a, there's a reason. And it was perfect. You got so many gems from him. The yeah. line about the Ramones. Yeah. About, about he says, he says, you got to give them credit. Like they changed everything. I can't remember the exact line that he said, but yeah. it's just, he, he's so determined and, 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 uh, about what he's saying, you know? Yeah. And you don't get that too often in an interview. Sure. You know, another energy, I would say that Iggy Pop stuff was, that whole story was interesting, but uh, I'm sitting in my living room and we had been trying to get Kirk Hemet for about a year mm-hmm. because we knew that he lived in the same neighborhoods as the Green Day guys and the Primus guys, got beat up by the same white supremacist gangs that they got beat up by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's that link of like Larry Lalonde, who was in Primus and Possessed, 
was also in Corrupted Morals with Billy Joe for a spell. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's this whole weird link lineage. And suddenly I'm just sitting in my living room and I get a text from an unknown number. And it was like, Hey, you gravy boys. Hell yeah. I'll be in your documentary. Let's do it down at Ed's bar, man. We'll get, we'll get shitty. And, and, and I'm, I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, I think Kirk Hammond is texting me, you know, to my wife, you know, like, and, and sure enough, it, it, it was him. And yeah, uh, I don't know, just so many experiences like that interviewing Kathleen Hanna interviewing. Yeah. Uh, Michael Franti. I mean, uh, the gamut of just, it's an experience I'll never forget for sure. Yeah, man. And then how did you guys get Iggy? Did you just go through, uh, what's his name? Well, Henry McGraw, McGraw, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, he, Henry's his manager. Yeah. Long, Mom, long time. Yeah. And then Spencer is his assistant. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, but so, uh, what is it? Uh, we are making this film and we are trying to do it with, um, as a, as a, um, what do you call it? There's a word for it. That's skipping my mind with no, with, with no narrator, yeah. you know, an oral history. We're trying to do it with just the people that lived it. And then when we had that five hour story cut where it's just talking, uh, and no B roll, we're like, well, a great way to condense themes is to use a narrator because a narrator helps you kind of, kind of fly by time a mm -hmm. little bit and mm -hmm. you can it can get you from one place to another and uh so we thought about it and we were like okay let's let's get an interview well if you get one person in the scene then somebody else is gonna say why is that person the voice of the scene so then we we're like okay we have to get an outsider and i thought well tom Waits waits lives in santa rosa he's got an interesting voice mm -hmm. uh he's not really punk adjacent but i mean does that matter and Billy's like, good idea, good idea. Let's keep thinking about it. And maybe it was the whole, um, uh, what's that movie, Coffee and Cigarettes thing, where mm -hmm. it was it was Iggy and Waits in that scene with that scene, you know, or something. The next day, Billy says, "What about Iggy?" And I was like, "What about Iggy?" You know, he sounds like a wise old tree, you know, <laughs> um, like you know. And he's like, uh, he's like, well, Green Day was his backing band on his on on like some songs on his Skull Ring album maybe he would do this for us. Like, and I was like, okay. And then two days later, I was like, they were like, um, I got an email from him and uh, Billy had sent it. Billy had sent his manager an email. Uh, and then the manager sent the email to Iggy and Iggy wrote both of us back and said, this sounds great. I'm in, uh, Corbett, when can you talk? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm like, uh, really? You know? Yeah. I think I talked about cats for the first 10 minutes of talking to him. With Iggy? Uh, yeah. Well, it was, hey, I mean, man. obviously, I, I, well, he, he, I, uh, my friend's uh, girlfriend at the time was like, I said, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm about to talk to Iggy Pop. And she's like, well, I'm not, I'm not nervous when I talk to celebrities or anything like that. And I was like, <laughs> I, I'm like, what, what? okay, I don't know. You know, like I was the whole leading into the phone call I was so nervous. And he's like, Hey man, how's it going? You know? And I'm like, pretty good. And he goes, uh, so like, where do you want to do this, man? I mean, you know, could you guys come out to Miami? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we could, we could fly down there and do this in your house. I mean, we could, we could set up in your house, you know, he goes, that would be great, man. If you could do that. Um, and, and he's like, if you don't mind my wife's cats, 
And I was like, and then it just set me on. No, I love cats. And I told him the story of Tashira Jima, which there was an earthquake near the Miyagi prefecture. And it was in the middle of the night. And there's a place called Cat Island. And, <laughs> and, uh, and there was a tsunami that was coming toward the island while the old people were sleeping. And the cats went up to higher ground. And when the old people woke up, uh, they, they saw no cats on Cat Island. So they went to higher ground. And by the time the tsunami hit, there were no people died because, uh, and he's like, whoa, man, like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, and I you know, felt like a goon, but he seemed to appreciate it. We got out to his house and it was like the day after his birthday. And so we, we set up and we were waiting for him and, uh, you know, very, very simple kind of place lived on this aqueduct in Miami. And, uh, he, he's like, Hey, I'm gonna take a shower. You guys, I'll, I'll be, we'll be right out, you know, you know, set up and, and, uh, we did it. We took a break and he goes, Hey, I'm going to go and uh, in the back of uh, my backyard and sunbathe for, for about 20 minutes and, and meditate, feel free to come back. And I was like, huh? What? You know? And, uh, we go out. I'm like, I'm not going to miss this, you know? And I go out and in that Miami sun, he's sitting on this big wooden ornate, meditation table like you know that that like lizard skin you know iguana yeah, yeah. iguana you know mm -hmm. baking in the miami sun and all around him are these like little i don't know if they're geckos in florida there's these little lizards that have these red frocks that come out of their neck kind of like ballooning out of their neck and so he's surrounded by these native lizards yeah. and and uh you know and he's got like this big like huey newton kind of um uh, chair out there in the foliage and suddenly down the aqueduct his neighbors uh, float by on it's a cement aqueduct that goes through the back of his house float by on this boat and they throw these pumpkins over the fence that are painted like skulls and he breaks out of his trance and goes yeah man those are like the art bombs that my neighbors throw me man they're super cool man you know I, I just I'm <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe it's a boring story, but I, I mean, it, it, for me, I, I'll just, it's so vivid, you know, like yeah. pumpkins being thrown and lizards and Iggy meditating. And he was just so good and gave us kind of like two hours, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it was, a, it was a great experience. <laughs> Dude, there's something about going to someone's home in that. Like I, uh, there's a legendary story with this podcast. The first time I met fat Mike, uh, yeah, I, I had him on for like a phone interview and he, I called him and he's like, hey, uh, I just started, I just started taking a shit. You're gonna have to call me back in like 15 minutes. And I was like, I'm not even gonna call back like this is gonna be terrible. And I almost didn't. But I've been waiting forever for this interview. And like, and I call him back. He's like, hey, man, I'm, just, I'm not on day three. And I was like, what? You've been awake for three days? He's like, no, off opiates. I've been on the toilet ever since. We talk for like 20 minutes, super uh, awkward. And then he realizes I'm a musician. So we start talking like music stuff and then he gets all yeah. interested and he's like, you know what? I've got this other interview calling through right now. So uh, he's been from Canada. He's been trying to get me online forever. And like, I'll, I'll call you back in an hour. Yeah. I was like, okay. So then he texts me at the whole time. The Canadian interview is going on. He's texting me videos of what goes on at his house. And then he said, <laughs> you know what? Why don't you fly down on Tuesday and we'll just do it here. Oh, wow. and I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, it's done. 
Tuesday. I was like, I'm on my way. And I told my wow. wife, and she's like, you have to do that. I get down yeah. there. We go into his, like, backyard, which is, like, got all the, like, pony tracks and, like, yeah. badminton and crosses and, like, the pool, like, but with uh, the old ashtrays full of whippets yeah. and, like, <laughs> all the old show flyers and stuff. And then he's, like, trying to get me to do coke and DMT with him. <laughs> he also said we listen to the new no effects record and then he has me get in the pool with him to do the interview i'm in the pool with microphones and cables floating on floaties in latex we all put latex on and got in the pool and did the interview but you got to see that guy's life like where he lives and what why he is the way he is yeah much like what you're seeing and yeah i'll never forget that like, yeah but that's those kind of things when someone invites life you to their home you yeah. make those choices. You make the choice. You take the risk. Yeah. You say I'm going to do it. You say you're going to step out of out of your door, out into the scary world, mm -hmm. and you go do it. Yeah. Punk, punk, and music taught us to do this. Yeah. You go, I mean, most a lot of my friends they stayed in, in the hometown and kept making the same demo over and over, trying to get signed, trying to do this or whatever instead of hitting the road mm -hmm. and 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 taking that risk. And you took that risk. You went out there and you, it 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 was fun. And you got, like you say. Like you probably would not have gotten the same interview if you hadn't gotten in that pool. I still get emails. If this was two yeah. years ago, I still get emails every week about that episode. <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't even know that interview happened. What <laughs> is there pictures? So of course I put pictures up in the Facebook group and stuff, but like it's uh yeah, to this day, it's, it's one of my favorites. And, and just for that reason, like, all right, hop on a plane midweek. I have a yeah. job. Like, all right, I'm yeah. not going to be at work tomorrow. Why? I'm going to fat Mike's house. My yeah. boss is like, what? From no effects. Yep. Yeah. He's like, no, you're not. I was like, I'll send you a picture. And I did. And he's like, oh, well, just take your time. <laughs> Very good. He was, he was really good. In our, in our film, I had never met him before that. Yeah. And uh, strangely, you know, people said, well, why wasn't there more Fat Mike in the film? I thought he had some great lines in the film, by the way. But, you know, they were they were L.A. by San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. They were a Gilman band in some senses. But. You know, even I think even he would tell you, I he wasn't they weren't a Gilman band. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, so our premiere happens, and at the Alamo uh, Draft House in San Francisco, and uh, Fat Mike and Joel will be off. Fat Mike comes up to me, go on the way in, and goes, "Really, man? Really, man? Three hours?" He goes, "Oh, this is this is going to be great," and he's you know, ribbing me. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly and, uh, the style. Goes inside. And and Jello too. He goes, well, we'll see. You know, Jello be out for you. Yeah, we'll see. And they both go in on the way out. Mike, he comes up to me and grabs me and he goes, "How did you do that? How did you do that? That didn't suck. How did you do that?" <laughs> and 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 Jello implored me. He goes, "You have to make the San Francisco documentary. You have to make the Mabuhe. Mm -hmm. You have to make." You know, th there's a link between Punk Magazine and City Lights and the Beats, and I know I know all that shit. I mean, I, I did a deep, deep dig. Mm -hmm. You know, the birth of Punk in the Bay Area was in the city in San Francisco, and he's like, "We're not getting any younger, and you're the guy to do it." And every once in a while, he'll text me and he'll go, "When are you gonna do this?" I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm a suburban dad. Find the funding." Yeah, you know, like yeah. you know, like you know, I would gladly do it. I mean, the San Francisco scene was such an artful scene, but those two guys coming up to me after the film was over because I had a lot of worries. I thought we're putting out this 
droning, esoteric, you know, tome of like three hour, a three hour movie about stuff that most people in the world just don't care about. Um, and the fact that the people that are involved and the people that really care about it do like it, mm-hmm. I feel like that's all I need to hear, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And it was your, you've never done a movie before. No, no. Like, I, well, I, I or a documentary, I, was, I guess. No, I mean, when I was younger, I wrote screenplays and I, uh, I was in theater and I was in a comedy troupe and tell and me, tell I, me I, about this because I want to talk about, I want to talk about your story because I mean, the documentaries, like I left, so I could talk about the documentary for three hours, yeah. but I want to also like hear where you come from, like how you got to this point, because that's fascinating too, because your trajectory landed you in a position to make this great thing. But there's all the, I mean, yeah, yeah. bands, school, like you said, so writing screenplays, like that's yeah. just fascinating. I, I think I was, I was emancipated when I was 15, came from kind of a really, really bad uh, home stuff situation oh, no. oh. Um, lots of lots of court and abuse and crazy stuff so uh-huh. i was out of my own when i was 15 and immediately jumped into uh theater and mm-hmm. and theater through school i was kind of a, i got into it late there on a dare and uh then i started doing more and more community theater and then uh i got blacklisted from the community uh, one community theater because i had something uh, that, that at that time they called the Beijing flu, which sounds horrible to say it now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. especially with all of the the hate crime going on and perpetuated by that moron. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, the hate monger. But but uh, but it had incapacitated me for probably like two weeks. So I kept telling the the theater, let my understudy take the part, let my understudy take the part. And he kept saying, nope, nope, nope. I want you to come back, get well, get better. And the day I was going to come back, I um, I went to do. Uh, I used to do children's parties. It's like Barney the Dinosaur, oh and uh, you, 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 yeah, you're oh, doing boy, everything. Super duper, stupendous. Oh, I love you. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it was you know like when I was a teenager, I delivered pizzas. I I did children's parties. I did all this stuff. And the day I was set to go back to this theater play after feeling well, um, I went to go pick up my friend, uh, black kid, metalhead Charles Raider, and he was my helper that helped me do magic tricks. And he, he, I uh, was like, no, I'm actually going to the, the, the lake today um, with my friend. Sorry, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you down. And I'm like, oh man, sucker, you know, and uh, went and did the party. And on my way back, I was going to the theater for the first time in, in, in weeks or a month or whatever. And my friend finds me on the freeway and flags me down the freeway, which is the weirdest place to get flagged down. And he goes, Charles drowned today. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, if he would have come with me, then he would have lived. But he went there and he drowned. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. And so I called the theater and I said, hey, so sorry to let you down. But and they're like, you little bastard, you're blacklisted from every community theater from Portland to Los Angeles. And I said to myself, OK, I'm done. And that's what kind of led me to punk. So I started a, a band that was kind of satiric not really like parody weird weird al even though i love weird al to death mm-hmm. um but started a band uh, with a friend in my hometown and we were like an acoustic duo long before like tenacious d or flight of the concords anything like this and uh, we call <laughs> we called ourselves bobby joe ebola and the children mcnuggets 
And uh, we're very high and very young when we came up with the name. But uh, kept that name forever. And, uh, you know, stopped playing in 2000, had a hiatus, came back, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff. But but that whole thing led me to led me to that band, which led me because we were so kind of caustic and satiric and abrasive. It eventually, you know, Gilman originally said we couldn't play because we were like folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then things change, things lessen. And then before you know it, we're headliners at Gilman by like 1998, 99, you know. And so, uh, you know, so we tour, we tour and I put out records from my band and other bands with this label called Spam Records in Oakland. So it was like Gravy Train and the Fleshies and, uh, um, all these other 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 bands and leading up to around i'd say 2009 uh the band gets back together we just tour relentlessly we make 13 music videos in like four years like i said we recorded four songs no label all ourselves all self-released a few labels would help us with distribution mm-hmm. uh um and and actually a couple of them with replication too, or, or not, that CD uh, with with pressing, but then suddenly uh, we had just been touring nonstop, no no label support, no like you can only do that stuff for so long before and, and at that pace sure. that we were doing it uh, with no you know where you're just like digging a bigger hole you know mm-hmm. and. And, and, you know, we were, we were getting like, we're not a, a nominal amount of success, but it really wasn't, we hit a wall. And so we come back, we're headlining the great American music hall, uh, on our final show on our tour. And there was a big meltdown. We had went with this, our friends, our childhood friends had a band called the mystic Knights of the Cobra, which toured with green day a few with, a, or actually with the Fox were hot tubs. And I think they played with green day in Austin once, but, um, they, they were 20 people who were like from this town called Crockett and they're just like the drinkingest, drugginest, most wild ass, crazy band. And here we are like, and the, and the drummer and the bass player of that band had joined my band with me and the, the guitar player, Dan, to like be our touring outfit, like four of us, you know, mm-hmm. not just a folk band. And suddenly we bring the circus on tour with us and we're already stressed out and we're already, you know, you know, scrounging you know doing anything we can to just keep going and it just in seattle just everything just blew up so leading back to our 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 great american music hall we wondered our show we are we even going to keep going and there was this this mysterious um instagram handle that would i didn't know who it was uh but you know like a lot of times if somebody has your number they can look they can automatically get linked to your Instagram account. You know, mm-hmm. it like looks up your phone or whatever. Yeah. And they had been kind of cheering me on and giving me, it was, it was Billy Joe. And it, I didn't know, I didn't know it. And I, I, driving back, I made a post and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. This is, you know, and he goes, well, you know, the sun sets on one opportunity. Another one, another one comes up. We played the show. It was fantastic. And uh, didn't know what was going to happen. We just were just kind of breathing and healing and two months in, suddenly I get a call from him and he's like, Hey, what's up, man? I'm like, not much. And he says, I'm looking for this footage. There's this Holy grail tape 
of 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 Green Day playing in a backyard in like 1990 in Oakland. Um, and I know it exists because there's a photo of somebody, uh, this guy, Mark Grody from the band Public Humiliation. Billy knew all of this. And he's next to Fat Mike and he's next to Steve List and he's next to Murray Bowles. And I know he had a video camera there. And it was just such a good show. He goes, I remember being at that show and feeling that show and in the backyard thing. And it just felt so, I felt so in it and alive and, you know, and all these things. And, and I said, yeah, I know. Like I knew, I knew, I knew somebody had led him to me because Mark really likes my band. Mm -hmm. Mark's kind of a satiric kind of, kind of wise ass, you know, <laughs> like, and uh, I said, you know, all right, I'll, 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 I'll try to get it for you. You know, and I knew that Mark really didn't want to part with it. You know, he, he, and uh, he said, he goes, oh, you know, man, he, he goes, I'm going to give it to you, but I hope they do something nice for you. And uh, I, I get, I get that. And I, and I think to myself, well, my friend Craig, uh, my friend, Alan, they have some tapes and they're like, you should talk to this guy, Daniel, Daniel uh, Haig, who wound up becoming our video archivist. Uh, he has kill that cat archive on YouTube. And so before I knew it, I, I amassed like 25 videos for him and I brought it back on a hard drive and I gave it to him. He calls me up and he says, dude, I, I did not expect this. You know, thank you so, so much. This is fantastic. Like you've just handed me uh, my old history. Do you know anything? Do you know anybody who could make a film? We're trying to make a movie about our old days. And I just threw caution to the wind. I said, yeah, me. And he goes, I think you're right. Let me talk to Mike. I'll call you tomorrow. I had just booked Mike's sidebands tour. They had seen me uh, recently put out a book called the Bobby Joy Bola Songbook, where I had 50 artists come together and like do drawings around our, our, our songbook and our songs. You know, they had seen that we'd put out 13 music videos in like the span of four years, you know, all by ourselves. So I think they knew that I was an idiot who took on <laughs> insane projects, Yeah, you know, you know, and they, I think they thought, well, we need an idiot to take on an insane project, you know, like, mm -hmm. so and I think he, he's, he's just the idiot for, for, for this job, you know, That's insane. <laughs> so they, they gave me the shot. Yeah. I have that book in my, on my bookshelf. You do? Yeah. It, from microcosm publishing. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I bought one of those, like, um, I try to support them too, because they're here in Portland and I can just go to the store and pick it up at the door. Like I don't have to wait yeah. for shipping. So yeah. they had this thing where they had a bunch of books that were like, it's like a super pack or whatever. You pay them like a oh, hundred bucks they, and they fill yeah. up what you like, you know, and I put in my interests and that book was in there. It's in my bookshop. Uh, it's yeah. a, it's a great bathroom reader. Yeah. I I'll put it in there. <laughs> it's in we, there we, like, we, <laughs> we tried to make it like mad magazine kind of. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and uh, yeah. So that's a, that's a small world. Yeah. Small it's a weird thing. 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 You said that. And I was like, it's on my bookshelf right now at the house. Like, yeah. Not here at the studio, but like the, my house, it's there. Yeah, it's uh, it came in that in that pad. They give me like a That's big box awesome. of books, and I was like, "This is cool." I'm like working my way through them, but like, uh, yeah, that company's awesome too. Like the, the all the Larry oh, Livermore really stuff, are. and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Dude, I went back. I go go way back with Joe. They're they're, okay. they're a great company, man. They're like, I love the I love them both. Yeah. All everybody there. I mean, it it uh, yeah, that that book. I think because I would post a lot about the production and everything about it mm -hmm. online. And I think 
not knowing that Billy was following any of that, you know, yeah. knowing I would see him here and there and we'd, you know, hang out at a show or a bar or a party or something. And, um, you know, I think, I think that that, that, and then Mike actually, who I had worked more with on other things, mm -hmm. I, they, they knew that I could take it on, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think that book actually was really the thing that made them think like, okay, he can work with a lot of people and get something done, you know, because yeah. more than half the documentaries that get started never get finished, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there were times where we thought that that was going to be the case, but nope, we, we, <laughs> We wrenched it out, man. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And and I mean, to have that confidence put in you, you know, like, of course, it's nice going to a project backed with Green Day money, but like, yeah. you still have to execute it. You have to make all the parts work. You have to fit them together. You have to compile everything. Like, the only thing you're not, maybe not, and I'm speculating, but the only thing you're probably not worried about is the budget. Just go get it all. That's well, a shitload I mean, of work. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were, you know, because we started out pretty small, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it was like, I, I think the, the band had this, like these ideas and this ambition and like, they wanted to just do this. But I think that some of management was like, they managed management's job to like navigate that. Mm -hmm. But, and then usually it would be, it would be like, they'd be like, why, why are they, well, this esoteric, the, the managers are, were at the time. They were Pat so, still, like, right? Yeah, yeah, they were familiar with like the punk underground and, mm -hmm. and they were they were dealing with like multi Grammy, yeah. you know, platinum, you know, d diamond selling artists. They, mm -hmm. And so it was, I think for, for Pat and like the other folks, it was like, okay, you know? Yeah. And then it was like, well, we're going to keep going on this, you know? And they're like, whoa, you know? And like it, it, um, it really, it, this is what I, I tell everybody like this whole the history of that scene was excavated cleaned up and archived and and mostly shared uh because that band made it happen like they 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 allowed for the deep excavation and, and kamala and dave all these people were hired on the film they were all eggplant everybody was mm -hmm. so it was like you know by the punks the coolest story i think out of out of, out of anything was the photographer Murray Bowles, who recently passed. Yeah. Great, great, great person. He was the chronicler of the of the unknown. They called him. You know, mm -hmm. he was always there. He was part of. He was a punk. He was part of the entire thing. But we knew that he had shot everything, every show. I mean, we would have no documentary without him because I would say eighty percent of our photos in the film are probably Murray photos. Right. Mm -hmm. So I call him up. He was a very, he was a very, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Just, just relatively quiet mm -hmm. person, you know, man, a few words, you know, and he's like, uh, sure. Come down, come down. Uh, I said, eggplant from Blatz wants to come. And, uh, and I told Tim Armstrong and Tim was like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go look through the negatives. Yeah. So it was me and Tim. <laughs> and eggplant and going down and, and Murray's like, just bring some beer. And I'm like, okay, we go into his closet and there's like binders and binders of dusty negatives and like just thousands and thousands of negatives that had never, he had some on his website, but he had never, they had never been cleaned. They'd have never been shot. They never, they were never scanned. And I remember getting in the car with Tim Armstrong and eggplant 
<laughs> with all the negatives in my car, think, driving back, feeling like I had the Tiffany diamond in the trunk. Yeah. Thinking like, if I crash, like, this is it. Like, yeah. we're done. Like, there's no movie. Like, it, it, it's it's over. And uh, we brought it back. And uh, and Kiva Cardi uh, uh, from Ireland moved to the States. She cleaned, uh, as our online editor, she cleaned and and shot all those negatives with with gloves and with uh, a lighting table uh-huh. and with a kit and a rig that, that they built. And now Murray's archive is there's a book set to come out. I believe some of the I believe some of the folks in the Green Day camp are are, are like the, their team or so they're helping. Uh, Anna Brown, I think Comet Bus is part of it. But um, there's a book that's going to come out, a photo book. Oh um, my God, I have to have that. Yeah, yeah it's it's it'll. I, I believe it, it should see the light of day this year, oh, if I'm not mistaken. That'd so be amazing. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's. <laughs> I grandpa could go on and on here. I, I mean, it was. Yeah, a million, a million stories and a million uh, wonderful experiences. Yeah, this is what I love, man. Like this is this yeah. is I love talking about these things. Like it's so funny that seeming like so like like ab- absolutely Zippo, right? Like a, a fanzine right. I never saw when it was when it was ha- like I just got had to buy it online, which yeah. it's like a hundred and something dollars, like on eBay yeah, or whatever. But you looking like you looking like Amazon or whatever, and I hate using Amazon, but like the uh, you can find people selling used copies on through there. The like anthology, good, yeah, the anthology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I've got two pieces in there. <laughs> you have what? I have two pieces in there. Two Do you? stories, yeah. dude. It's almost it's almost here. It's like two days away. But uh, oh, really? but I've been collecting like the Comet Bus stuff and things like that. But like, but the Gilman book, like the nine two four Gilman book, always falls is, apart. Yeah, it always falls apart. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's like two hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, like to find it online but then like i i've seen it before and that's what i know what you're talking about when you start because it's so thick yeah like it just starts to just degrade like you can look through it twice and you're the done. spine the yeah. spine always like gives out yeah like on, yeah it's, hey man you know i think that's uh that's how that's the rule right what we do is secret right yeah, you know exactly. that's why they that's why they that's why these things that uh, don't get repressed and and if you know you know man you yeah. know like I don't know. I that that whole mystique around all of it. It's like no way, you know. I I hope that I'm so happy you're talking to Kamala. Dude, so I different. yeah, I would I will welcome anything you have that you would want us to talk about because and and we can email on that too, but like uh yeah. I'm doing that on Saturday and I'm incredibly stoked for that. I'm incredibly stoked to be talking to you. Like uh Dave Mello was amazing uh like Tim, like Tim a, Armstrong is my white whale because he he is so reclusive with everything. Like we know each other from back in the Warp Tour days. We played Warp yeah. Tour together. Like uh, I have pictures and stuff. Like we, but he's so reclusive. Like uh, you got Matt on Charger. Right? Yeah, Charger I've got team. Matt. Yeah. I've got Lars and yeah. uh, uh, Brandon. Their new drummer is a yeah. newish drummer uh, is coming on next week and like. Every, everyone around him and then he goes on toby morris's <laughs> podcast and i was like god damn it and Jimmy? uh yeah he did he episode one recently no 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 this was a while back like episode one he toby's on like episode 200 now um much like mine but he Jim rarely does 
anything. I know, but you had anything. one of the longest form interviews I've ever seen. And it was a video. Yeah. Watching him talk and just explain those times. And he's always got a guitar in his hands. Always. Yeah. But well, then it like, cuts and he's yeah. got no beard. <laughs> so yeah, I knew yeah, that yeah. documentary took a long time because that beard is fierce. Yeah, well, he does. Wait, does, are there parts where he does not have the when beard? Him and him and his brother and uh, and Matt are all and, sitting in the... In, in Gilman. Yeah, and he's still got a guitar. Yeah, and he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. clean shaven. And then all of a sudden it's like, man... Just He's. Like, I mean, dude, dude. I'll tell you something about that guy, man. He. This is what I'll say. There's so many people in his position who've had the success that he's had, Grammys and and uh, mm -hmm. you know, platinum records and all of these things, who sit on their laurels and they don't create. That guy, pretty much nine to five, every day, walks down from his house to his studio and either paints, records. Or, or, or rights, or my, my buddy's working on a project with him right now. My best friend is working on a project with him right now. And and just does it. And I, dude, I can't tell you, I can't tell you of another person like that. He, he to me, he's doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he, he, he lives it. He's taking that working class thing and he's, I don't know, he, he's using the opportunity that he got to continue to create and yeah. i think that's really admirable and bringing up other people like putting out yeah. records like writing co-writes like i dig the new boston's he just produced it's really yeah. good dude it's like crazy the, yeah it's yeah, crazy yeah. like and then like and jesse michaels turned i told dave Mello this at the end of our interview i was like oh well it's about time for my biannual turndown from jesse uh i write him <laughs> twice a year and ask him and he's just like dude like i just I don't want to do interviews right now. I was like, this is not really an interview, man. It's a conversation. Like he just did one, didn't he? He just did one. He did one like Mabel syndrome he, or something. He just posted something. You know, he, he, he he's the first to say, like, I think he said the he, me and Matt's Facebook post the other day where he was like, Hey, look, I'm mental, you know? Like he um, I think he's he's one of the, the most genius people I've ever met in my life. But I would say he's very mercurial, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's like he's he uh, and, you know, I don't know that guy. That guy is man. Right. I mean, the op Ivy was a, like the perfect meld of of just musicality and mind and all that stuff, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, tra transcendental. And, you know, of course, he was a big part of that. Right? Sure. You know, yeah. Uh, Jesse should Jesse, Jesse should do it. You're gonna have a big East Bay punk uh, string, you know. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to do that because I I just uh, got a, a message back from uh, Jason White. Uh, he's yeah. gonna come on, and nice. uh, we can talk Pinhead Gunpowder and like all they're reissuing those records and yeah. and uh, you know I'll hit up I'll hit up Comet Bus and and uh, yeah I just I, this is what I do that I just keep going and this thing just kind of takes on its own life like this this month i'm really like focused on this so i'm i'll start going down this hole and people love that mm -hmm. because they they're like man that was like a whole month of this like like it was yeah. like a little mini series um yeah but it's things that are important to me and if they're important to me they got to be important to other people and yeah you know and if it's not it's not but i've i've enjoyed the the time doing it you know and and uh ask brandon see if brandon can 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 connect you with tim you know um lars would not <laughs> We yeah. had a blast too, but he's just like, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I've got so like the band I was in before, Portugal the Man, like, yeah, 
they they love the podcast. They listen to the podcast. We've been friends since middle school. But yeah. if I need connected to somebody, they just yeah. won't do it. They're just like, you know, it's just like, you know, there's like this code kind of thing. And I'm just like, oh, dude, I don't no, ask you for good. anything. Like, it's funny. Did you and they'll just in the 90s? I hear, I mean, I, I you know how that goes. Yeah. I mean, people always do that, right? Yeah. You know, the, the Ska in the 90s film? Did you watch that at all? No. It's called Ska in the 90s, I think, is what it's called. Taylor Morden, who did the last Blockbuster documentary that's coming out on Netflix soon. Mm-hmm. He, um, he was doing a film called Ska in the nineties and it was really about kind of like that third wave boom. Yeah. And, and wanted to get some Murray Bowles photos contacted me and he was talking to me and he was like, I really want to get Tim to narrate this. And I, again, I don't, I think just, especially with the green day thing, I've got so many requests. I get, I get tragic requests monthly, you know, like, my dad is ailing my child, you know, the all the oh, time to so, connect him with. Green yeah. To connect oh, him to that. And like, I have to make a rule yeah, like, where I absolutely do yeah. it. You know? And so, um, but every once in a while I'll make an exception and it, it's painful because you're, you're kind of like, uh, you know, but for that, I, for the, I, I was like, you know, um, I'm I thought like Tim might, Tim might want to do this. And uh, so I reached out to him. He wound up narrating the film. Uh, I'm gonna have to check I, that out. I, uh, ska in the ska in the nineties okay. is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll, I'll put in a good word with my friend who works with him on every day, and I'll, I'll say, "Hey, look, all the all the other members are, have been on the program. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, like, come on, man, come on." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, except for Jesse, and except for uh, for Brett Reed. I don't know where he well, went, but. Uh, yeah, well, I guess, we're, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but all the current members, yeah, all the current saying. members, and we we we've known each other. Like it's like, yeah. dude, like, uh, it's just funny because going back because I had a big time between music and this podcast starting. Like I started yeah. this in 2016, but I stopped touring in 2007, and I didn't do any yeah. shows. I didn't go anywhere. I was just starting a family. So like, there's this disconnect. Like, hey, yeah. remember 13 years ago when we were having lunch and blah blah blah? Like, yeah, it doesn't always work, and. Yeah, that's one thing that is. I, Larry said the same thing. Like he's like, dude. Like people ask me all the time. Like, hey, shoot me an email to Green Day. Now, <laughs> you have to. You know, I do, I get requests all the time to introduce yeah. people to the Portugal guys since they won the Grammy. Yeah. yeah. And the only one I've done it for is is Chino from Deftones because he became a buddy of mine through the podcast. He's like, yeah. hey, I kind of want to work on something with so and so, and and uh, can you introduce me? And I was like, really. <laughs> velvet hammer management can't do that. like i was like absolutely yeah. i'll introduce you but I've, i'm surprised you came to me so i think that sometimes they want that they want that like direct kind of they don't want to go around the yeah managers, right they want to just have yeah. it be as organic as possible like it used to be yeah yeah that's a big thing right you yeah know? like it used Folks to be who are kind of detached from from that in a sense so they're in their own not detached but like in a bubble kind of you know yeah you're like you're definitely in a, in a, in another world. Right. And you yeah. are longing for that real feeling, you know, exactly. Like it's uh, yeah. I, um, you know, but I'll I, like, again, I'll talk to my buddy and just say, Hey, you know, Brandon's going to be on this thing. He doesn't want to be left out. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I know Brandon from when he was in the used, uh, cause we were on that warp tour with them before he was in Rancid. And so I hear he's uh, a nice dude. He I, is. I think he's I'm, a sweetheart. I met him a few times, but, but 
my 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 buddy Anthony, he he was their touring photographer last year. Okay. Year before last. Um, and and so he went on like all over South America and and I think Europe. Um, and so uh, he got to know Brent Brendan mm-hmm. and uh, Brad Brendan, yeah, and uh, just said he's like the most genuinely sincere, nice, sweet person. You know. Yeah. Um, I agree. Pretty cool. I agree, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just stoked to to revisit all these things and and uh, man, I I just appreciate the time, dude. I I really do, yeah. and it's I say it all the time, but time is so valuable, and and just yeah. spending an hour, hour and a half just chatting about you know things we do and things you're doing, like sure, but but it's so important, you know, that moment when yeah. you said me, I'll do it, like yeah, think yeah. of what changed then, you know, and and. <laughs> the 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 fact that i didn't know about the documentary until a buddy of mine that kind of is into that music told me about yeah. it yeah there's a lot of people that probably still need to hear and see about this movie and and many of them likely listen to your show yeah I mean, I, it's like i i saw you have such a uh a, a gamut uh a, a, a history uh how long has the podcast been around four years so four years that's fantastic and it's uh yeah, that, that's the, the, the nicest thing for me is when people show interest and people like yourself who who understand it and and and, and it, who feel that it's very beloved to them. Yeah, it really it means a lot because it's it's why I made it. You know, I didn't make it for people who wanted to just come and see a quick movie where they learned a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted we wanted to honor the people who were a part of it. Yeah, and, and I think that's why you see so many faces in it. You know. So. I think you accomplished that. I think you, right. you, I mean, that's is special for me, but it's special for them having their stories, you know, immortalized. Yeah. Um, and it was just done so well with such a, a clever, a clever eye for, for detail, what detail needed to be there. I could not imagine editing down the things you had to cut out of there that are probably priceless. Uh, Being Having to cut that out and just feel, you probably felt like garbage after that. Like, like just like, Oh, like, but we can't, but we have to, you know, like my, 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 my buddy, Anthony was, who uh, was, works with Tim now, but he, he was working with me on the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time we were, we we're both writing, writing it, you know, which is like basically pre-editing. You yeah. Know? Uh, he would come into the room every day and mind you, he's got four kids, you know, and I, I was at just having my first kid and he goes, all right, what baby are we going to stop today? And oh. meaning, meaning like what sacred, beautiful thing yeah. are we going to throw in the trash today? Yeah. Like, like, and it was really that brutal at that point where I was like, we can't lose that. Really? That, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why we got around that, what, 247 mark, mm-hmm. that almost three hours mark is it was like, how, what else are we going to lose? You yeah. think, you know, we can't lose that, you know? And I, was, I don't know. You know? Dude. So, well, yeah, you got to share more of it. I'm going to try to do my part too with having more people on and just getting stories that way on yeah. the podcast. But I mean, because we have, if you think about like 200, we just put out episode 204, average about an hour and a half, two hours. Some went four hours. It's yeah. a lot of time, a lot of yeah. stories, and I've, I, it feels, it feels good to have that back catalog and all those stories. But for sure, I'm always hungry for more, you know, and and trying yeah, yeah. to race to preserve all these things. Sure. Um, which you're in the same boat, man. And you, you've just done something so great. Um, 
Thank you, know, you man. I can't thank and you enough I, for it. I can help you. Oh, Joey, thank you for having me on, man. I'm Dude. so grateful to you. Awesome. I and I it, feelings mutual. And and like I say, if you ever decide to approach something with the audio, like putting out a podcast with just these stories, you know what I mean? Because it's hard if it's the full band talking. It's yeah, hard yeah. to do an audio, but if it's just metal mic or it's just uh uh you know even just the jesse michael stuff like where it's just him he right he did two interviews so did tim yeah, yeah. So, but if it's just them talking you know who's yeah. there and it's just them stream of consciousness into your ear yeah. if you ever need help with that i could help i'm absolutely donate my time to do that i've got several Thank other you, podcasting man. friends that love what you're doing and they would also i'm guarantee you would jump in and help if that's you, what it man. took to get that done. I mean, I think one of the main reasons why I think that myself or Greg haven't really dived back into it is because of time, mm -hmm. because of, you know, so if there was, you know, a crew of people, we split up know. a team, it can happen. Yeah. And, and especially like green day, especially like that was my turning point into music yeah. is, uh, the first two green day records and the first Weezer record were brought over to my house by my buddy, Joe, who we then started a band with, and yeah. lived together and everything from 13 until I was like 28. Yeah. Toured the world with all because we said they can do it. We can do it. Same story. For me, I man. owe them countless hours of time to work. Yep. So if it helps out, I'm here. Thank you, brother. So, but Joey, thank, thank you, you, Corbett. Thank you for coming on. And, and I'm stoked to put this out. So people can hear this and yeah. check out this documentary. I'm gonna I'm gonna put all that info in the the show notes and the intro and make sure uh, it gets out because I've I've watched it three times this week just getting ready for this just because Ooh. I wanted to be in the zone. So kids go to bed, I put it on, and if I'm the first time I watched it, just sitting there watching it. Second time I was doing other stuff while it's on the TV, just letting it absorb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then watched it one more time just because I'm like, dude, I. I keep finding things I missed, you know, but, uh, dude, it's please, awesome. please reach out to me and I, 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 uh, I'll try to connect you with some other folks. And okay. I think Kamala can do the same. Uh, keep email me, keep in touch with me. I absolutely will. I absolutely will. We'll chat, uh, on email before I do the Kamala interview too. Cause, uh, I just want to make sure I, I, I make the most of everyone's time and, and you know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. so, but thank you for sharing everything with me, man. I appreciate it. Doing all love to you. Be right, safe. Same to you. Take care. You too. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Corbett Redford. He is the director behind Turn It Around, the story of East Bay Punk documentary. It's an amazing documentary. Go get the soundtrack. I have it on double vinyl. It's incredible. It's a scene that needs to be documented, and I've never seen it done in the the depth and wonder that this documentary put that scene in is it's amazing i could watch it every day like i said in the intro but uh, i appreciate you guys coming back week after week this is the second episode this week next week we're also going to have two episodes tuesday and thursday uh also focused on the gilman scene uh east bay punk scene we're doing a lot with that because that means a lot to me it's the scene i grew up in in alaska from a distance using the mail order catalogs and everything else anyways so uh just thank you for coming back week after week. Also, I want you guys to rate review the show. Um, go to the peer pleasure podcast, uh, inner circle, Facebook group, go to eastbaypunk.com, pick up a copy of the documentary, turn it around. Or also if you don't have money, here's something you can do that. I did not know. 
you can go to that website and you can put in your library card number or apply for it. There's something you can either apply for a library card or use your local library card to rent a version of it and watch it and stream it. So if even if you don't have money, you can go and watch this documentary. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, I can't say it enough. I, I love documentaries, but this one stood out to me and, and you'll, you've heard it on the episode, um, everything we went through. So anyways, I, I've just, I gotta say it again, guys. Thank you so much for coming back week after week. I love each and every one of you. Um, we have a lot of big stuff coming, a lot of things to bring you guys in closer to what we do. Um, as if that could happen. I don't edit these things. I don't, uh, I, I can't bring you much closer without bringing you into my lap because I put everything out there. Um, these episodes are not edited unless someone asks to have something taken out. I pull out the phone ringing. Uh, I pull that part out because that's redundant. But it's just as if you sat next to someone on a bus and had an interesting conversation with them. So um, hopefully you guys keep enjoying it that way because that's the way I do it. And that's the way I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but like I say, we're going to bring you in closer as the months go on. We've got a lot coming up, a whole lot coming up. Anyways, um, and I've been going live on Instagram a little bit lately, um, actually live on Instagram right now. There's people watching me do this uh, outro, but uh, hopefully twice a week, I'll try to jump on for an hour or so and answer questions and things like that. But um, yeah, anyways, hope everyone's safe and happy out there. Two episodes coming next week to you, so do not fret. There is 209 other ones to go listen to right now if you are bored. Uh, but as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.